0: You are looking for a new dentist find them at weissmanfamilydental.com or call them at 303-494-0101 and tell them audio information network of colorado sent you thank you for joining us for the thursday april 13 2023 reading of the boulder weekly my name is eric levine news now you know april 13 2023 This week's news in Boulder County and beyond by Boulder Weekly staff. State Fed plan focuses on environmental justice. Several neighborhoods in Boulder County could benefit from a state federal initiative aimed at advancing environmental justice. The Environmental Protection Agency, EPA, and the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment CDPHE, released a final work plan last month explaining how the agencies will collaborate through enforcement and compliance to reduce pollution in, quote, disproportionately impacted communities, unquote. According to Joel Minor, Environmental Justice Program Manager for CDPHE, The state defines a disproportionately impacted community via three demographic factors, race, income, and housing cost burden, as well as cumulative impacts, which refers to exposure to a variety of pollutants. Communities became disproportionately polluted because of a discriminatory mortgage appraisal practice called redlining that isolated communities of color and drove land use decisions that placed hazardous industries in these areas. Of a total of 200 census block groups in Boulder County, Miner says 70 of those meet the definition of a disproportionately impacted community, including neighborhoods in Lafayette, parts of Longmont and parts of Boulder. Quote, even within more affluent communities are often pockets of inequality or lower income communities with more affordable housing mixed in with the more affluent areas, unquote, Miner says. Quote, one example in Boulder County are mobile home parks, which tend to be one of the most affordable sources of housing, unquote. Both Arbordale and Boulder Ridge mobile home parks in Lafayette are disproportionately impacted communities. The work plan focuses on three actions, all related to compliance and enforcement of regulations, targeting inspections in impacted communities, collaboration between state, local, and federal partners on enforcement and compliance assurance, and creating equitable opportunities for communities across the state to learn and engage with agencies about enforcement and compliance issues. Quote, it's about holding regulated entities accountable and ensuring that they're complying with the terms of their permits, unquote, Miner says. The public is invited to a virtual community engagement session on May 1st at 5.30 p.m. to discuss the work plan in more detail. Register for the meeting and find information on CDPHE's upcoming community opportunities on the web at bit.ly COEnvironmentalJustice. Boulderite seeks help heading to Miss Wheelchair America. After being crowned Miss Wheelchair Colorado this February, Jen Oakes, hopes to head to Grand Rapids, Michigan in late August to win the title of Miss Wheelchair America. Unlike the aesthetic focus of traditional pageants, Miss Wheelchair America judges a contestant's ability to advocate for those in wheelchairs. The week-long competition will require Oakes to write an essay, give a speech, show her advocacy accomplishments, and complete two interviews with competition judges. But Oakes needs some help getting there. She recently launched a GoFundMe to raise $4,000 to cover the $2,000 pageant entrance fee and travel expenses for Oakes and her mother. Oakes hopes to take her message nationwide, advocating for independent living for people with disabilities, quote, I live independently in the community and want more people with disabilities to know that they can, too, unquote, Oakes told BW via email. However, Oakes says, quote, independent living is only possible with reliable home health, low pay and little to no benefits has caused many direct care workers to leave the industry causing a nationwide shortage of direct care workers," unquote. To support Oak's GoFundMe, visit bit.ly slash Miss Free COVID-19 vaccines available. Buses loaded with COVID-19 vaccines are touring around the state, including Boulder, to provide low barrier care to communities. The state is making a final push to distribute COVID vaccines before May 11, when the federal government will end its public health emergency declaration. After that date, Coloradans can still keep up with their vaccinations through hundreds of vaccine providers across the state. Coloradons age six months and older are eligible to receive the vaccine for free. No insurance, identification, or medical history is required. Appointments are encouraged, but walk-ups are accepted. So far, the state's vaccine buses have made more than 6,000 stops in 62 counties in the state. The bus will be in Boulder on Friday, April 14, from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., at Out Boulder County, 3340 Mitchell Lane in Boulder. But it will make more trips to Boulder and Broomfield before May 11. Learn more and book an appointment at covid19.colorado.gov. Study links encampment sweeps with drug-related deaths. At least 500,000 people are experiencing homelessness on a given night in the US. Around 30% of those people also have a substance use disorder. One study published in the Journal of the American Medical Association aims to understand how, quote, involuntary displacement, unquote, also known as sweeps or cleanups, a common measure used by cities across the country impacts people experiencing homelessness who inject drugs. Through simulation modeling of 23 cities, including Denver, researchers found that involuntary displacement can lead to, quote, substantial increases in morbidity and mortality over a 10-year period, unquote. And it is estimated to worsen factors like overdoses and hospitalizations. According to lead author Joshua Barocas, an associate professor at the University of Colorado Anschutz Medical Campus specializing in infectious disease and substance use disorder, there's a lack of evidence guiding decision-making. Quote, people on the front lines have been telling leaders that these sweeps are detrimental, but anecdotes only go so far, unquote. He wrote in an email to Boulder Weekly, quote, policymakers should incorporate evidence into their decision making, and we hope to add to that evidence base, unquote. In its 2023 budget, the city of Boulder allocated nearly $1.3 million to expand its Safe and Managed Spaces program, which includes adding an encampment management team. To enforce the citywide camping ban. The city also shortened the amount of time it gives people participating in unsanctioned camping to clean up and leave under some circumstances. Got news tips? Email W Matuska, that's W M A T U S K A, at boulderweekly.com. News Get in Gear. Ahead of spring event, the Pros Col- Closet takes Boulder Weekly behind the scenes at its expanded headquarters by Will Matuska, April 13, 2023. Quote Speed is king for us, unquote, says Paul Calandrella, general manager at the Pros Col- Closet, TPC, in Louisville. He's an avid biker, much like the rest of TPC's staff, but he's not talking about how fast he can spin gears on two wheels. Calendrella is standing in TPC's 130,000 square foot space that quadruples as a bike retail outlet, refurbishment factory, vintage bike museum, and digital retailer headquarters. Quote, if we have anything, we have space, unquote, he says. Roughly the size of your average Costco, there are scooters available for staff to ride from one end of the building to the other, saving time moving between hundreds of brands and thousands of models on site. In one week, Calendrella oversees a staff of more than 100 who help move 1,000 bikes through a robust 141-point inspection refurbishment process. Quote, when we're at a brisk run, we can move a bike from the bay door to being listed on our website in under two hours, unquote, he says, as someone whizzes by on a bike test ride, the last step before it's ready to sell. In those two hours, staff completes all the refurbishment, photography, cataloging, and boxing steps until the bike is ready for a consumer. Calandrella says 80% of TPC's total bike volume is purchased from consumers around the country in exchange for cash, in-store credit, or dealer trade. Of those bikes, nearly all are completely refurbished in-house. Internally, Calandrella says, staff joke they've built the, quote, Ferrari engine of refurbishment, unquote. The, quote, the faster we can do this, the less cost we put into refurbishing the bike and the better value to the customer on the other end, unquote, he says. Adding the present operation is a result of more than a decade of work maria uspensky bought her first bike from tpc in 2012 after her car broke down since then she says she's bought at least half a dozen bikes from them quote once you become a client there you probably become a client several times unquote she says a few days ago she traded in her road bike for a gravel bike she says the customer service cycling advice and how easy it's been to buy and trade bikes has kept her going back. After perfecting the refurbishment process, TPC is now focused on the in-person customer experience and has been pilot testing its retail space for the last nine months. Since moving to its facility in Louisville, 1900 Taylor Avenue, just before the pandemic, the company hasn't been able to flex its operation muscles to its full capacity. Now Calendrella is ready for TPC to become a gathering place for the cycling community. On April 29 and 30, TPC's Great Spring Breakaway event will offer a peek at TPC's process and new retail space, in addition to prizes, food trucks, and more. Quote, We want to welcome the front range riding community to come see what we do, unquote Calandrella says more than a bike shop. TPC was founded in Boulder by Nick Martin in 2006. At the time Martin was living out of his van and posting refurbished bikes on eBay, a pro cyclist himself. He brought his philosophy of keeping bikes in motion longer to TPC quote, Bikes are meant to be used, unquote, the company motto goes. For years, TPC was only an e-commerce company. Moving to a new space in Louisville three and a half years ago not only let TPC expand its refurbishment operation, but also the Vintage Bicycle Museum. The museum has more than 200 bikes on display, including bikes like John Tomac's 1990 world championship yeti c26 david finney's 1984 olympic bike and otis guy's 1978 series one breezer one of the first mountain bike models the historic quote the historic museum sort of represents our ethos we put a lot of value in customization unquote says calandrella quote The industry does well at scale to sell a lot of the same bike. And we try to celebrate the upgraded, the customized, the modified. We place the value on the rarities, unquote. Primarily Martin's collection, bikes get sent to the facility from cyclists all over the country. And it's still growing. Martin collects other parts of cycling history, too as shown by the wall dedicated to the Coors International Bicycle Classic, an iconic race started by a Boulder-based company in 1975 that helped put cycling on the map in the U.S. Quote, It's regularly surprising to me the distances people travel to get into our building, unquote, Calandrella says adding that people have flown in from across the country and driven from Oklahoma and Texas to pick up a bike from the shop. Quote, it sort of demonstrates the curiosity and to a degree love for the brand, unquote. The company has been a beneficiary of the bike boom that brought a surge of new cyclists mid-pandemic and left consumers struggling to find new bikes. While these numbers have tapered off since, since, bicycle spending still remains above pre-pandemic levels nationally. Quote, more people on bikes is good in so many ways, unquote, Calandrella says. Quote, if we can help be a part of that, I'll call that a win, unquote. The great spring breakaway event is 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Saturday, April 29 and Sunday, April 30. The Prose Closet, 1900 Taylor Avenue in Louisville, free. Features, weed between the lines, out of prison, into the biz. After years in the system, one New York man is launching the world's first dispensary run ent- entirely by formerly incarcerated people by Will Brenza. April 13, 2023. When Kos Mart first got into New York City's cannabis industry in the 90s, he was just 11 years old. But he was a natural entrepreneur. He started his own delivery business and hustled street corners, turning and burning a lot of product and making good money along the way. At 13, Mart was arrested for the first time he was at a park in his Lower East Side neighborhood, a part of the city NYPD has historically overpoliced. They found Weed and took him into custody. That was the beginning of a long period in Mark's life. He was in and out of prison for various drug offenses, living on couches in between, unable to get steady work because of his record and eventually getting sucked into selling harder drugs getting arrested again and starting all over it's a common story for new yorkers like mart his neighborhood was one of seven in new york city that made up 75 percent of the state's prison population most were incarcerated for drug-related charges according to human rights watch there are currently 22,386 people in New York prisons for drug offenses. Despite the obstacles, MART has launched a successful international fitness program known as ConBody and is now preparing to open the world's first cannabis dispensary run entirely by formerly incarcerated people, ConBud. Quote, I want to change people's perceptions of formerly incarcerated people, unquote, Mart says, quote, I want to make a statement and show that we have untapped talent, we have the intelligence to run a business, that we have the skills and the charisma to make that happen, unquote. When a friend in Massachusetts who owned a dispensary reached out and offered him a job, Mart was excited by the prospect only to discover that anyone with a record like his couldn't legally work in Massachusetts cannabis industry. Most states have a similar law, New York and Colorado included. People with felonies on their records are prohibited from participating in the cannabis industry at any level. In this state, Governor Jared Polis has instituted a cannabis crimes pardon program that also has a record expungement element. Those who complete the application process and are granted a pardon can get a job in Colorado's cannabis industry. However, New York State took that a step further. Its Marijuana Regulation and Taxation Action Act of 2021 stipulated that five, quote, social and economic equity, unquote, classes, should get 50% of the employment opportunities in the state's cannabis industry. And one of those five classes was formerly incarcerated individuals. Quote, I was like, they wrote this for me, unquote, Mart says. He got all the paperwork in order. And when state dispensary applications opened in February of 2022, He and his business partners, Alredo Anguera and Junior Martinez, were waiting at midnight, refreshing the page, poised to be the first to submit their application. They would later learn it wasn't on a first-come, first-served basis, but they were first nevertheless. We are committed to leveraging New York's recreational cannabis industry to bring much-needed employment stability to those who have been affected by it, unquote, Angera says, who is also a lawyer and community advocate, said in a press release, ConBud will be a dispensary, an interactive experience, and an opportunity for millions of cannabis consumers to confront New York's history while playing an active role in rewriting it, unquote, Martinez said. ConBud is currently scouting locations in Manhattan and hoping to open in fall 2023. When it does, Mart will have come full circle. He will have gone from selling weed on the streets to owning a first of its kind dispensary that's taking a massive swing at the cultural stigmas of cannabis and cannabis crime. Quote, it's been a crazy journey, unquote, Mart says. Quote, I feel like I'm living in the Twilight Zone. Unquote entertainment music search and rescue hannah francis still hasn't found what she's looking for by jesse j gray april 13 2023 it was the release day of her new album and hannah francis couldn't stop crying after a turbulent year of traveling and recording the 26-year-old songwriter's fifth full-length collection of music was finally out in the world, a milestone worth celebrating for any artist. Why then did it feel like someone had died? Quote, I think the grief that happens when you actually let go of something is even more painful than holding on to it, unquote, she says. Quote, once I actually released the album, it felt like I had nothing to hold on to, and I think that brought up more grief, unquote. As it turns out, Frances was holding on to a lot more than a record. The time spent making her latest self-released LP, Bedrock, also marked the rupture of a relationship that had offered something like stability for the self-described nomadic DIY musician. While the journey of her new album was just beginning, Frances couldn't shake the sense that something big was over. Quote, it felt like releasing a chapter of my life. It had a lot to do with that partnership, but I also just felt like I needed to close something and continue on my path, unquote, she says. Quote, I think holding on was inhibiting me from feeling the deeper loss of all that. But once you let something go, you're not necessarily freed of it. The result of that letting go is a dizzyingly beautiful collection of songs about longing and belonging that represent a high watermark for the multidisciplinary artist, herbalist, and astrologer. Moving like a river through turns of aching folk tenderness, ambient blooms, and field recordings of nature, bedrock underscores Frances's virtuosic guitar playing and opera-trained vocal prowess in pursuit of a sense of place. Quote, "I'm roaming, you know, looking for a home amongst the willows," Unquote. she sings on Pilgrim the album's sparkling and sprawling centerpiece that slips sweetly into birdsong, quote, to be alone anywhere but here, unquote. While Francis welcomes life's serendipity, it's no accident that she spent much of 2020 making a record about movement. There are places that feel something like home to the young musician who was raised in Philadelphia, and lived most recently in Chicago. But a sense of searching colors the empty space in bedrock, recorded over a period of restless wandering from rural Maine to the Midwest and points in between. Quote, I felt very uprooted, and a lot of that has to do with place. I was really seeking a feeling of home and a sense of stability in myself and stability with another person, unquote, she says. Quote, I felt like I was on a pilgrimage of some kind. That was a huge part of the record. Where am I going? Where do I belong? Unquote. The answer to that question is a knot Francis is still untwisting. But while her odyssey of belonging may not unfold along a straight line, her path to the stage followed a more linear tack. Raised by a professional pianist and educator, Frances's creative drive is partly the result of being steeped in music from a young age, including a post-senior year tour with the international after-school music education program School of Rock, whose stop at Lollapalooza served her first real taste of the limelight. Quote, I was constantly on stage, unquote, she says. Quote, My upbringing was deeply creative, and I'm really grateful for that." The stage is still a welcoming place for Frances, who has since sharpened her own voice in her own songs, like the 11 tracks on Bedrock and those populating the new unreleased full-length she's currently shopping to labels. She may not have a fixed address, but Frances has found a home in her music and in the act of bringing it to towns like Boulder. When it comes to the prospect of one day putting solid ground beneath her feet, she draws energy from a time-honored maxim. The destination is the journey. Quote, I feel belonging in a lot of different landscapes. I love being on the road. Unquote. She says. Quote, There are so many different aspects that are challenging, but I think overall it feels really directional and alive for me right now. I think this is exactly where I'm supposed to be." On the bill, Damian Gerardo with Hannah Francis, 7 p.m. Friday, April 14, E-Town Hall, 1535 Spruce Street in Boulder. Tickets are available at www.etown.org slash events slash etown dash presents Damien, D-A-M-I-E-N dash Gerardo, J-U-R-A-D-O dash W dash Hannah, H-A-N-N-A-H dash Francis, F-R-A-N-C-E-S etown.org slash events slash etown presents Damian Gerardo with Hannah Francis. Entertainment music by a string. Rachel Slyker finds a home in the river Arkansas by Adam Perry, April 13, 2023. Violinist Rachel Slyker grew up in Colorado Springs but has spent the last two decades in Boulder, where she branched out from the classical music of her youth and found a community. That's where Slyker met local musician Tyler Ludwig of the band Princess Music, which she joined in 2004. Quote, I was just starved for non-classical stuff at the time, Unquote, she remembers. From there, Slyker quickly blossomed in the Colorado indie rock scene, thanks in no small part to her buoyant musicianship and joyful stage presence. In addition to her work with Princess Music, she also played with Clouds and Mountains, helmed by front-range fixture Macon Terry, before joining Terry in the indie Americana band, The River, Arkansas, in 2015. Led by singer-songwriter Mike Clark, formerly of the beloved Pueblo band, the Haunted Wind Chimes, the River Arkansas mixes the long-missed playfulness of high-energy Colorado favorites like Dovekins with the rootsy authenticity of the band. With the addition of Slyker, who has a deep understanding of classical music and theory, the River Arkansas is now able to craft songs like the title track from last year's Waiting on the Rain EP, a layered, dynamic, and moving blend of folk, rock, and pop that gels Clark's gritty and whimsical personality with complex and soaring Americana. Slyker's journey from classical music to the river Arkansas is similarly complex. She started playing violin at age five under the Suzuki method, an intensive music curriculum and teaching philosophy drawing drawing from the tenets of language language acquisition this came at the urging of her veterinarian parents who weren't musicians themselves but decided slyker and her brother who played the flute growing up should be quote, I don't recall having a passion for music, but I also don't recall feeling like I was being forced to do something against my will, unquote, she says. Quote, eventually I got so good at it that it became part of my identity, and I kind of got an ego about being good at the violin. So that was something I had to wrestle with and try to let go of and just be purely in love with music later in life, unquote. Slyker's breakout from the confines of classical music began with what she calls embarrassing stuff, like NSYNC and the pop pop rock radio hits of bands like Blink-182 and Weezer. But after arriving on campus in Boulder, a whole new world began to open up. I feel like I didn't necessarily love music when I was younger. Nobody had turned me on to stuff where I was like, Oh my God, this is it, unquote, she says. Quote, it wasn't until college when I was getting introduced to Radiohead and Bjork because my friends listened to it that my mind kind of got, got blown a little bit, unquote. That eventual combination of a true love of music and formal education led Slyker, who earned a bachelor's in music theory from CU Boulder, to long-term gigs with local indie bands. It also led to limited stints with huge artists like Gregory Allen Isakov, who included Sliker in his touring Ghost Orchestra, and Nathaniel Rateliff, with whom Sliker has performed at Red Rocks, the Newport Folk Festival, and The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. But even playing on live television at the Ed Sullivan Theater wasn't as nerve-wracking for Slyker as the classical tradition she came from. Quote, I've done auditions for symphonies and stuff, and that's the highest pressure situation, and nothing will compare. Unquote, she says. Quote, You can put me on national television, and I guess I'm not as nervous. Unquote. Despite her many accomplishments as a musician, there's another milestone Slyker wants to achieve, leading her own band with her own songs on vocals and guitar. She played a few shows as a band leader before the pandemic halted her momentum, and she hopes to continue that journey soon. In the meantime, Slyker is happy to belong to a local community of side players with whom she feels a camaraderie from Jeb Bowes of Isakov's band to Stealth Ulvang of the Lumineers and the musicians in Nathaniel Ratliff's horn section, quote, there's something about the instrumentalists who hang out together, unquote, she says, quote, there's a nerdiness, not that I'm calling those guys nerds, we're all a little bit different, and I like that vibe, unquote. When it comes to her collaborators in the River, Arkansas, who recently completed Green Bridge EP is on the horizon. Sliker also feels a deep kinship. Her path here may have been long and winding, with more turns yet to come. But for now, she's just happy to be making music and memories with her bandmates. Quote, I love those guys so much. They're just a joy to hang out with, unquote, she says. Quote. I think the music comes off as being so much fun because we have so much fun together, On the bill, Foxfeather with the River Arkansas and Sarah Farmer, 8 p.m., Friday, April 14, The Caribou Room, 55 Indian Peaks Drive, Netherland. The River Arkansas with Golden Brown, 8 p.m., Friday, May 26, fox theater 1135 13th street in boulder opinion letters april 13 2023 by readers like you correction last week's news story ease the harm news april 6 2023 conflated safe zones for kids chang org petition which has more than 1,800 signatures, with its Boulder Direct Democracy online petition, which has 230 as of press on Wednesday, April 12, we have corrected the online version to reflect this. Protect animals from wildfire. The wildfire burning in Park County near Florissant is a reminder that it is not just humans' lives and homes that are threatened by wildfires. Deer, bears, birds, fish, reptiles, and other animals are killed or displaced, too. The impacts are also immediate, debilitating, and often life-threatening. Thick smoke disorients them, irritates their eyes, and makes breathing difficult. Larger animals may try to outrun the flames, while small animals may try to shelter under rocks and in burrows. Those with babies or who are trapped by fences or other structures may not escape. Report unattended fires, extinguish campfires and fire pits, keep vehicles off dry grass. Don't throw lit or smoldering cigarettes from your car or truck and check the weather conditions before burning trash or leaves. While most naturally occurring wildfires are sparked by lightning, thousands are triggered every year by fireworks. The precaution we can take cannot be clearer. From Craig Shapiro, North Norfolk, Virginia. Cuisine, good taste. The Sanctuary, The Rio Keeps Fun front and center amid updates by Colin Wren, April 13, 2023. When Pat McGarren opened the Rio in Fort Collins in 1986, it was just 19 tables and a small closet where he and a couple buddies made margaritas for a small but vibrant crowd of musicians and hippies. McGoughran and his then partners, Andre and Steve Mouton, had moved up from Houston, hoping to escape the summer heat and enjoy the leisurely pace of a Colorado college town. The Moutons played in a reggae and ska band and were chasing the dream while McGoughran worked in HVAC and was looking to sink his teeth into something where he could call the shots. None of the three had any restaurant experience, though all of them grew up in large Catholic families. McGoffrin was the seventh of eight children, while the Moutons were two of a whopping 15. Quote, with big families like that, you never went out to eat, but you were always cooking for lots of people, unquote, says McGoughrin noting that he lent a hand in both his own home kitchen and over at the Mouton's place while still a kid. Fresh out of high school, the trio would routinely dip down to Mexico to set up hammocks and enjoy the beaches of anywhere the scene popped. Quote, We'd knock around Mexico and discover that the culture and the food is just so warm. Unquote, says McGoffran. So when a friend moved to Fort Collins in the early 80s, MacGothran says they took the opportunity to set up a new crash pad. There are now five locations of the Rio, with the entire company employing nearly 500 people. Boulder was the second to open, with the original space on East Pearl debuting in 1989. It's been in its current digs, 1101 Walnut Street, since 1997. In 2019, the massive three-story restaurant on the corner of 11th and Walnut received a full-scale makeover. The main bar was relocated to the center of the restaurant, and the lounge area was assembled on the second floor. The rooftop was the least altered, though the springtime staple was rearranged for greater efficiency. The renovation has certainly helped situate the Rio among Pearl Street's continued trend into cheapness, quote, they referred to us as the tired old party animal, unquote, says McGoffrin with a laugh, quote, it was just kind of a call to action. As far as I'm concerned, we've got the best corner in Boulder. What you need to do is own the space you've built, unquote. McGoffrin says that the changes are largely cosmetic. The bulk of Rio's menu has gone largely unaltered since its debut. The fajitas are still the star of the show and the beans, rice, and tortillas are still prepared from scratch each morning. Culinary director, Eric Weisenhut, who has held the position for 22 years, spices things up with rotating taco specials, salads, and tostadas. The margaritas are still a big draw, though the food has become more of a main attraction. Don't leave without getting the Diablo shrimp empanadas. McGoffrin insists that the prodigious durability across nearly four decades is based in the restaurant's culture. Quote, one of our main motivations from the start was to create a decent place to work. Can we do something where we feel good about what we're doing? That's really been a compass for us, unquote, he says, quote, the focus is creating an atmosphere and experience that's welcoming. And that changes a bit over time, unquote. While the Rio's claim to fame was once that it served more Jose Cuervo than any restaurant group in the country. McGoffrin says, quote, that distinction has become a little bit more irrelevant, unquote these days servers are equipped to recommend specific varieties from a large selection of tequilas mezcals and sotols with aplomb as diners have become more sophisticated so too has the rio mcgoffrin says the demographic is still the revelry seekers quote we provide sanctuary from the troubles of the world while serving the best dang Mexican food this side of the Rio Grande," unquote, he says with a grin. Quote, I think that the notion of sanctuary has always been fundamental to our longevity. Unquote. While the Rio is anything but subtle, it has remained an institution by implementing subtle changes with finesse. McGoffrin seems to have a supernatural sense for knowing when the iron is hot, and having the vision to keep joy as the place's foundation. Quote, they celebrate life here. They celebrate death here. They meet their future ex here, unquote, he says. Union, Black in Boulder, Making the Visible Invincible by Anthony Gallucci, April 6, 2023. Boulder is a sacred place. The majestic flat irons blanket the city with the memories of the people native to this land. To live in Boulder is to receive this magnificent bounty. We, Californians, Boulderites, are truly blessed. Sadly, the experience of living in Boulder is not unitive. To some, living in Boulder is accessible, welcoming, culturally sensitive, and affirming. To the othered... Boulder can be inaccessible, unwelcoming, and culturally insensitive. One of the plethora of othered groups are Black people who make up 1.2% of Boulder's current population. Contemporary Black Boulderites are a continuation of Boulder's African-American history, a narrative which began in the 1870s with the OG Black pioneers to the area such as Joseph and Mary Anderson, George Reynolds, Henry and Annie Butler, the Leopold family, and more. The first black people in this area were optimists and dreamers who migrated to the area mainly to mine for gold and other valuable ores. Black people and our optimism were met with the status quo and a century and a half of duplicitous behaviors, such as socio-racial economic segregation, bigotry, hate crimes arson, tokenism, pertinacious inclusivity initiatives, over-incarceration, redlining, police brutality, and lack of significant socio-political representation. Alas, we rise. Although black people have been in Boulder for over 150 years, we currently exist mainly as transient residents. The present transient experience and the low number of black Boulderite permanent residents is indicative and responsive to the history of Boulder. The low percentage of black Boulderites throughout time is not accidental and generally due to black flight from the area in response to a homogeneously white culture of microaggression, exclusivity, and violence against non-white people. Therefore to find oneself in Boulder in 2023 is to arrive in a space in which black culture is mostly invisible. The lack of representation regarding the cultural expressions of blackness is endemic in the dominant narrative in the U S and Boulder. However, the attempt to marginalize and or misrepresent the narrative of blackness in no way diminishes the interest, accomplishments, and or excellence of the first black people in Boulder and those who currently live in this area. This monthly editorial serves as one of the plethora of efforts to reach out to black people in Boulder and proudly share aspects of our histories, lived experiences, struggles, joys, accomplishments, and excellence. In addition, the editorial will provide constructive criticism of various aspects of Boulder that are insensitive, marginalizing, and unfair to black culture. The critique will often be accompanied by suggestions that intend to be practical and engage in personal growth and systematic change. I am a black single father of four professional uncle and brother who has lived in the city of Boulder for the past decade. We are a proud African-American family, and we call Boulder our home. My family and other black people in Boulder spend our time enjoying the fresh air, clean water, quality education, and healthy food options. We are Afrofuturists. And our intention is to sustain the positive experiences and minimize the negative. Essentially, we are not only responding to our oppression, we are also liberating ourselves from it. In this liberation work, I wear many hats, and one of them is to curate the Boulder African American History Center. The center is a virtual entity that intends to connect the various physical efforts to support the liberation of Black people in the Boulder metro area. We will utilize the Boulder Weekly platform to eliminate the gifts, critics, and liberated voices of the Black people who live in the Boulder area. The method is through critical editorials, liberating opinion pieces, captivating and relevant interviews with empowering Black people, and highlighting of existing movements and organizations that serve to make the experience of black people safer and more comfortable to thrive economically, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, and physically. Making space for the cultural expressions of black people in the Boulder area is in no way meant to diminish the need and current efforts to elevate representation of the indigenous people of the Americas and people of color, LGBTQIA+, neurodivergent people, and every other marginalized group not named here. We stand in alliance. We hope to share well and be contagious. We look forward to your engagement. Anthony Gallucci is a dad, author, activist, and professor. He is currently teaching at Naropa University and finishing his doctoral work in psychology at the California Institute of Integral Studies, researching masculinity from an Afrocentric epistemological lens. This opinion does not necessarily reflect the views of Boulder Weekly. Entertainment stage one small step apollo 15 moon landing launches a contemporary political conversation in betc world premiere by tony tresca april 13 2023 playwright and traveler matt smart has been to all 50 states and there's one thing he's noticed we don't talk to each other anymore Quote, frankly, how divided we are concerns me. Unquote, Smart says. Quote, I was interested in writing a play that explored a time when there was similar divisiveness to understand how we worked through it. I'm interested in using 1971 as a flashpoint to engage with that moment in history, but also as a lens for us to view today, unquote. Smart's desire to spark contemporary political conversations in a historical setting was channeled into his Vietnam War-era play, Eden Prairie, 1971, which is currently being produced at the Dairy Arts Center by the Butterfly Effect Theater Company of Colorado, BETC, through April 29. Quote, people living in our political moment feel like our nation has never been more divided, but they should look at this period, unquote, says director and BETC associate artistic director, Heather Beasley. Quote, Matt places us on a historic day and uses the Vietnam War as a backdrop for the piece. History is most accessible when we view it through people's stories, and we care about the people who lived through it. This story is a beautiful, detailed look about how impact it impacted three people's lives, unquote. The play is set at midnight in rural Minnesota on the night of the Apollo 15 moon landing as a draft dodger returns to visit a woman from his past. But rather than present an overly moralistic love story, Smart sets out to create a play with characters who had vastly different values, quote, it was important to give everyone's viewpoint a fair representation, unquote, Smart says, quote, theater can fall into the trap of preaching to the choir, so I like to shake things up and bring in different ideas. We have Pete, James Giordano, who was against the war and going to fight, and Rachel, Kate Herbert, on the other end of the spectrum, and her mom, Adrian Igolf, presents a third way of being that doesn't fit neatly into liberal or conservative categories." Eden Prairie gives audiences the chance to watch these old friends go toe-to-toe in heated debates as the single-setting play's 90-minute duration unfolds in real time. At one point, they argue about the 1968 presidential election and about how Richard Nixon beat Hubert Humphrey by less than .7 points, unquote, says Smart, quote, close elections resonate today because we are used to these razor thin margins. It is nothing new that elections are so close, but it is fun to have that argument through the lens of history, unquote. The play's Boulder debut is a history-making event itself as the final production of Eden Prairie's rolling world premiere with the National New Play Network. BETC is the last of three theater companies co-debuting the work in the United States after Riverside Theater of Iowa and the New Jersey Repertory Company. Quote, I had seen Matt's play Midwinter at the Colorado New Play Summit, and I loved it so I requested to read his new script because I liked his work," unquote, Beasley says. Quote, there are some plays that I have to share immediately. Eden Prairie, 1971, was one of the plays we all agreed quickly was a wonderful fit for BETC." Unquote. In addition to being the play's final premiere, the Boulder run of Eden Prairie also serves as the last production for BETC co-founders Stephen Weitz and Rebecca Ramali before the husband and wife team departs from their leadership positions at the end of the 2022-2023 season. Quote, Eden Prairie 1971 is a fitting capstone to what's been exciting and diverse season, unquote. Weitz says, Quote, I couldn't be more delighted that we're finishing with the world premiere of a new American play that will touch audience members' hearts and souls and brains in equal measure. That's the definition of a BETC play. Unquote. On stage, Eden Prairie nineteen seventy one by Matt Smart. Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays at seven thirty PM and Sundays at two PM through april twenty nine at the Dairy Arts Center, 2590 Walnut Street in Boulder. Thank you for joining us for the Boulder Weekly. My name is Eric Levine. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.